Welcome to the Physics Buzz Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. Every year, the publication Science puts on the Dance Your PhD contest. Graduate students from all over the world are invited to submit videos of some kind of dance performance that represents or explains the student's research. These are artistic, visual representations of what are often very complex research topics. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with one of the category winners in the Dance Your PhD competition, Diana Davis. Okay. My name is Diana Davis. I'm a fifth-year math PhD student at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, and I basically study geometry. Davis accomplished the primary mission of the contest. She made a video that provided a beautiful and simple explanation of her research. But Davis says she had a secondary goal when making the video. What does it mean to do research in math? People just don't have an underlying framework to understand that. They just don't know what that is. And so that's one of the other things I wanted to show with this video. What does it mean to do research in math? What is math research? Even for Davis, coming up with an all-inclusive answer isn't easy. But her video does help to dispel some of the misconceptions that people might have about what mathematicians do all day. The Dancer PhD contest has four categories, chemistry, biology, social sciences, and physics. A winner is selected from each category, and one winner is selected overall. The overall winner this year was a student named Peter Lidicote from the University of Sydney in Australia in the chemistry division. Diana Davis won in the physics division. However, her research is pure mathematics. Uh, it's a bit confusing. She says she is lobbying the creator of the contest to change the category name to physics and math. Hers is the first pure mathematics video to win that category. You can find Davis's video and links to more of this year's videos on our blog, physicsbuzz.physiccentral.com. If you can, I highly recommend you go take a look at Davis's winning entry on our blog, but it's not necessary. You can still follow along with today's podcast. Here again is Davis talking about when she decided to enter the contest. Last fall, so about a year ago, a friend of mine told me about this competition. And as soon as I heard about it, before I had even looked it up, or seen any of the videos from previous years, I thought, I've got to do that. Because my research, although a lot of people hearing about it thinks, think that it sounds really abstract, for math, it's pretty concrete. And I just thought, this would make a great dance. Davis deals with shapes and surfaces, tangible things. But these are shapes and surfaces that might seem very bizarre to non-mathematicians. The best example I can provide of one of these surfaces is actually our very own planet Earth. So let's say you got up out of your chair and walked out your front door. You start walking in a straight line. Now, assuming there's nothing to get in your way, you could just keep walking all the way around the Earth. You would eventually arrive back at your house but you would arrive from the opposite direction as the one you left in. You would have walked out through the front door, but you would return through the back door. Now imagine if you lived in a much smaller example of that kind of space. Imagine if you got up and walked out your front door and immediately came in the back door. 
Now imagine if this happened for every wall of your house. For instance, you can imagine the left wall of the room is glued to the right wall of the room. So if you walk into the left wall, you'll reappear on the right wall. And the front wall of the room is sort of glued or identified with the back wall, sort of like the same as the back wall. So if you walk right into the back wall, you'll disappear into it, like like Harry Potter in the platform nine and three quarters, and you'll come right out of the front wall. And the same with the ceiling and the floor. So if you can imagine that, then if you were to walk in a straight line, you would just constantly walk across the room. And when you hit the wall, you'd reappear on the other wall and you could keep walking. So you could walk forever in the same direction and you'd never hit anything. And the room is finite, but you could go forever. Davis actually deals with pentagons, five-sided and two-dimensional surfaces. So there are five walls that connect in this bizarre way. The video beautifully demonstrates what it would be like to move around in this kind of space. I'm really pleased with the video because I have had trouble explaining this to people. I draw, I draw pictures, I draw great pictures um, of this process, and it's still hard for people to visualize. But the video, she says, makes it clear how the space works. The dance goes on to explain how Davis did some work to show that you can cut up these pentagons and alter them, but you can still find a connection between the original space and the new one. So it's sort of like uh, there was some kind of code that told you how to get from one sequence to the other, and I figured out how that code worked. I'll let the video explain how she did that. But mathematicians do this kind of work for all kinds of shapes and bizarre spaces. This is one example of mathematics research, playing with these bizarre shapes and looking for the underlying patterns. And in that way, math research is very similar to any scientific research. You have your subject and you look for the basic patterns, the laws and the building blocks. Now, I hope you're starting to understand a little bit better what mathematics research looks like, but if you're like me, you're wondering, why do mathematicians want to explore these weird spaces? Um, A lot of people ask, like, what are the applications of your research? Pure mathematicians tend to hate this question because the most true answer is that there are no applications. Uh, And we study it because it's beautiful and it's interesting uh, and we like thinking about these questions. And to me, that's a perfectly reasonable answer because it's very interesting to think about what would happen in a house where you could walk across a room forever. But Davis also points out that sometimes you just don't know what these mathematics principles are good for. Um, A good example is something like number theory, which people studied for hundreds of years. And people said, why are you studying that? There are no applications. And people just said, oh, it's beautiful and it's interesting. And they proved beautiful theorems about it. And then in the 60s and 70s, somebody invented the computer. And now all that number theory and all those theorems that people proved over hundreds of years are what keep credit card transactions safe online. So it turned out to be useful later. So Davis says if you want a possible application for the specific area of research that she's working in, how about this? Did you ever wonder if you got in a spaceship and you set off from the earth and you just kept going and going and going, you know, where would you go? Does the universe end? 
Does it? Do you get to the end at some point? What would the end look like? Is it infinite? How could there possibly be infinitely much space? What, is, what would that even mean? I think most people have probably wondered about this at some point. Um, and the kind of math that I do gives a possible explanation for this. Remember how I mentioned that the Earth is kind of an example of one of these spaces where technically you could go around and around forever and you would never fall off the edge because there is no edge. And so some people think that that's what the universe is like. So if you got in your spaceship and you left the Earth, you just went forever, you'd eventually come back to the Earth, but from the other direction. That's, that's a pretty neat thing, actually. In school, when most of us learn about biology and chemistry and physics, we get a general sense of what these kinds of scientists do in their laboratories. Biologists uh, do things like give test drugs to mice and see what happens. Chemists like to mix things together. And physicists drop eggs and pumpkins off rooftops or something like that. Basically, in school, we get a general sense of what a biologist, a chemist, or a physicist might do during the day. But do most people get a similar sense of mathematics research? I, I think if you walked up to somebody on the street and you said, what is math research? They would probably say it means to the, going to the library and looking up, you know, math theorems in books. And that could hardly be further from the truth. Most mathematicians see mathematics as a very creative endeavor. Basically, the way that people learn math in school, it's all about numbers. And for professional mathematicians, for, for people who do math as a career, it's all about shapes. Davis had this analogy for the way she thinks about mathematics. I, I read a book once that explained doing mathematics as being in a house, and it's dark in the house. And you first go in, and you're bumping into things, and you're not sure where anything is because you're totally confused about what's going on. But then you explore a little bit and you figure out, like, don't walk there. There's a table. And so the more time you spend in this house, the more you understand it. And then finally, eventually, you'll figure out what's going on. And so it's, it's just about thinking very deeply about whatever your subject is. And for me, it's these, these shapes and these lines. Now, you could actually say that any scientific endeavor is like exploring a dark house. As people do research in that field, they learn more about the house and shed light on some of the mysteries that are waiting for them in the dark. But there's a more literal connection to mathematics because, as Davis argues, mathematics is about shapes. This description does not only apply to researchers like Davis who are working in geometry and topology. For example, mathematics can be used to analyze data from scientific experiments, but graphs and plots are really shapes, curves and spikes created by the data. And the questions are, what do those shapes mean? Where is the pattern? Math describes the shape of the universe itself, everything from the topology of the universe to the curvature of snail shells. Those things and everything in between can be described by mathematics. And even abstract subjects, like probabilities and statistics, these can be grounded in the physical world. They connect to the behavior of electrons. So in that way, you could still connect them to shapes and spaces. So based on all this, it does seem correct to say that all mathematics is about shapes. 
Now, there may be mathematicians who say that is correct, but that it doesn't quite describe what they do. It's extremely hard to come up with a general definition of mathematics. But I like this idea of shapes much better than the all-too-popular notion that math revolves around researching old equations and punching numbers into a calculator. Changing that basic misconception, even if it's to an idea that doesn't quite capture the entire field, well, that could go a long way toward eroding the disdain that so many people have for mathematics. A lot of people, when I tell them I do math, they say, oh, I was never good at math. Oh, I hated math. Oh, I stopped doing math as soon as I could. And that's just kind of sad. The fact that it's acceptable to say that in our society. If you said to someone, oh, um, I'm a writer, I'm a science writer, and they said, oh, I was never good at reading, it's just, that would be unacceptable <laughs> to not be able to read or to hate reading or something. You'll probably find some people who hate reading, but uh, they probably won't admit it, and they're very rare. It would be great if more people could at least think that math was cool. Not everybody needs to get a PhD in math, but just to sort of understand the basics of, of what's going on, I think that could be valuable for people. Davis's video is getting a lot of attention on the internet. It's been featured on websites including io9 and many other science and math blogs. To date, it has received over 14,000 views. I, I mean, I, I can't predict the future for sure, but I'm guessing that that's more people than will ever read all of my math papers in my whole life. Davis says she has been contacted by a number of people who were inspired by the video. And to them, she says, Okay, it's your turn next year. Next year, you're going to make your thesis into a video. And they usually laugh and say no. But what I'd like is for other people, especially mathematicians, to really think hard about their research and see if they can find a way to make it into a dance. Maybe with enough math dance videos, the community of graduate mathematics students can hope to change people's ideas about the subject they love so much. That's all for this week's Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. Once again, you can see Diana Davis's video and more of the Dancer PhD contest winners at our blog, physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. As always, you can find more podcasts, resources, all kinds of fun stuff at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Buzz.